Well, good morning, everyone. How is everyone doing today? Come on now. It's okay to be happy at church. It's okay to have a smile on your face. It's okay to use your loud, your outside voice a little bit inside in the church when you're praising the Lord. How many people know you can use your outside voice at all times when you're praising the Lord, right? And uh, it's just good to be in the house. What a beautiful day today is going to be. And uh, we're just so grateful you're here with us in the room. And if you're watching online, hey, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we hope that wherever you are, uh, that you just feel the presence of God in your place. Whether you're driving in the car, hopefully you're not watching and driving. That's a little bit problematic. But maybe you're at your cottage or you're away for the weekend. But hey, listen, if you're in the Concordant area, we want to invite you to come and have a seat in the house. We just believe it's great to watch where you are, but I tell you, it is better to be in the room. And uh, so we want to invite you. We have space for you, and we're committed to even making space for you. And so come on out and hang out with us. And if you're here with us today, hey, just thanks so much. We know we have some people from out of town, and uh, well, we're just so grateful you're here with us today. We are continuing in our series, uh, The Beatitudes. But before we get to that, actually, one thing I wanted to do is just personally invite you. This Wednesday, we are uh, starting a second round of Growth Track. And uh, Growth Track is this amazing opportunity that we get to just kind of ask a bunch of questions about the church and, and kind of dive into who we are as a church and, and connect with one another on purpose and in mission. How many people know when you have a, a life of purpose, that's a life worth living? And uh, we just want you to know the purpose in which God created you for. We want you to experience that, to know that. Listen, if you have questions about our church, maybe how we operate, maybe you want to know, uh, maybe meet one another or figure out a way, a place that you can get involved. Or maybe you're questioning membership, or maybe you are a member but you missed the previous growth track opportunities, I want to invite you to come on out. It is a great, great time. And we just use this content over the next three weeks as a springboard to have some really awesome conversations. And I would love to personally invite you to in, into that conversation and to have that conversation with me. And so that's this Wednesday at, eight at 7 o'clock. So you can register on our website right on the homepage. You can follow the link and register. We'd love to have you there. All right, that's enough for that personal uh, public service announcement. Let's just jump right in. We are in uh, week six of a nine-part series. This is the longest series we've done so far, at least since I've been here, and nine-part series uh, going through the Beatitudes of G the Beatitudes that Jesus taught in the beginning portion of his Sermon on the Mount. And if you haven't heard about this, this famous sermon, it's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Kind of Jesus lays it all out there. You know, he kind of Put, sets the table of all that he's here to do, all that he's here to teach, all that he wants you to know about the kingdom of God. And a lot of what he says is sort of like building upon all that they've known in the previous thousands of years as they followed the law that Moses, that God gave to Moses. He's kind of coming in and he's kind of turning that, he's expanding it. He's kind of blowing their mind a little bit by these countercultural statements, these statements that that don't really seem to be very encouraging on the surface, but as you dive deep into them, you realize how they feed you. They, they set, Jesus is setting up this blessed life that we can have. He, how we can have this eternal fulfillment, which isn't held captive by the circumstances that are the happenings in our life, right? He wants you to be happy, but the happiness that he's talking about here isn't connected to the happenings of our life. It's something much deeper, something way more secure that you and I can found. And he's saying in this context through these Beatitudes that this blessed life is actually found in the most unexpected of places. 
And so we are jumping right in. I hope you've enjoyed it so far. I loved going through this and teaching it. If you've missed a few of the weeks, you can go back and watch them on our website. But Jesus didn't pull any punches, did he? He didn't pull any punches about what is going on. But this word blessing, you know, we've talked about this word blessing a little bit up to now. But this word blessing isn't a new term. Remember, Jesus is speaking primarily to a Jewish audience at this time. And so they would have heard the term blessed, right, the blessing. They would have heard this. This would have been a a familiar phrase or a familiar term to them. Remember, all the way back, God blessed Adam and Eve. Right from the very beginning, he blessed Adam and Eve and he said, be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1. We see in Genesis 12 where God blessed Abraham and he blessed him, what? Not just to bless him, but he blessed him so that he could be a blessing to others, and he blessed his son Isaac and Jacob, all and Joseph. He blessed his people of Israel so that the Jewish people at this time, living in this place thousands of years later, have no deadly heard about Father Abraham and the blessing to be a blessing and, and heard about this covenant relationship that God had towards the Israelites. And if they lived in this covenant relationship, that they would then live under the blessing of God. And there was this you abide by the covenant, you stay within the blessing. So this is not a new term. And now Jesus is entering to the scene in the New Testament, and he's doing the exact same thing. In his Sermon on the Mount, what is, how does he begin his sermon? He begins his sermon by talking about what? A blessing. A blessing to this new covenant that he is establishing with this new church. And he wants you to understand, listen, you can be blessed under this new covenant if you fall into relationship, if you come into alignment with the teachings that I'm about to lay out for you. If you can fall under alignment you are going to receive a blessing beyond what you could even understand or imagine. More than that, he said, so if we focus on, we pay attention, we implement these eight attitudes, these eight qualities that we can grow in a blessing in knowing Jesus. And again, these circumstances, or these blessings rather, are not connected to circumstances. We, we attribute happiness to circumstances or happen, happiness to happenings way too easily, and it's way too surface, it's way too emotional. We're way too fickle, Right? So this is something so much deeper that he wants us to understand. You see, I love how it's called the Beatitudes and not the the do attitudes. If we're in the Old Testament, when we're looking at the law, maybe we could call it the the do attitudes. If you need to do these things in order to maintain the blessings and the covenant of God. But in the New Testament, he's saying, listen, it's not what you can do, but it's going to be what I'm going to do. Right? Remember, he hasn't done anything yet at this point. This is he's setting the scene. But we, as the New Testament church, post the resurrection, we understand what he has already done. And so we don't have to do anything, but we can be as we abide in Christ and receive the blessing, receive fulfillment that he is offering to us, that he is kind of putting out there and putting on the table. And so it's so good. It's such a great topic to discuss. And so there's a lot of notes, like every week, this is sort of more of a teaching series. And so there's a lot of notes that you can follow along at the YouVersion Bible app if you haven't downloaded that. That's a great app to download. This app has changed my life when it comes to faithfulness and Bible reading. I know streaks are a gimmick, but streaks worked on me. You know, when it came to faithfully, consistently reading God's Word and all the devotionals that are there. But under the events tab, you can also find our sermon notes. And so you can follow along and you can make your own notes, add to them, and save them to your profile for later. So you can follow along. But we're jumping right into Matthew verse 8 as we jump into our series. You with me? Everyone good? Everyone's good? All right. It's okay to give me a little bit of what's up once in a while. I got a hair in my eye, and it's bugging me. Did ever happen? No, it happens to you. just to me. All right. Let's read uh, Matthew 5, 8. Here it is. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
What is another definition for pure is sincere or, or without duplicity. Someone who, who acts with integrity. You know, who acts with integrity, not just in public, but more importantly, someone who acts with integrity when no one else is watching. That's a lot harder to do, isn't it? We're really good at giving ourselves a pass in those moments. But integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. It's not being double-minded. It's letting your yes be yes and your no be no. A pure heart upholds the truth no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. A pure heart withholds the truth no matter the cost. And I, I, I don't know, as I've been reading and as I've been studying this week, I don't know many people of, in my life, <laughs> myself included, who can say like, hashtag, nailed it, you know. Nailed it, got it, perfect, let's move on. I got this pure heart thing, nailing it every day. You know, I don't know one person who has that kind of approach when it comes to this attitude or this posture or this heart condition. We all fall short, don't we? Every one of us falls short. Every one of us falls short, even to our own sometimes, our own standards, which are even lower than his for us. Like, we all fall short. We all see and we grapple with the ugliness of our hearts on a regular basis. Every, every time we look in that mirror, we, we see us beyond what we want others to see. We see who we truly are. And in a world full of brokenness and a world full of hurt, I mean, cynicism and apathy, despair, bitterness and rage, these seem way easier to maintain. These seem way easier to control. Or perhaps we're tempted to to turtle, you know, to, to kind of shelter ourselves in, to hide from the world and try, that tries to threaten our purity. But either way, we, we struggle. And at times, we even find this idea of purity in our world, like almost too impossible to even obtain. Like this just seems too hard to even to try. So why even bother? Like it's, it's a tough world to stay pure in. So why even bother? Anyone else thought like that? I, no, just me. I mean, as I was thinking about this this week, uh, uh, mo- I love movies for those who don't know. I-, I love movies. Honestly, it's the thing that I miss the most is movie theaters. <laughs> Living in Concordia. I love Concordia. love the beach. love the sun. love the people. Miss my movie theater. Anyway, it's all good. One day, I'll hit it again. Anyway, I digressed really quick. Anyway, let's go back. So I was thinking about this movie, 1995. I don't know if you remember, Dangerous Minds. Remember, 1995, theme song was Gangster's Paradise by the, by, the, by the artist named as, anyone remember? Coolio, right? And uh, this movie, I don't know why, I've never thought about this movie in a while. I saw it years ago. This is 1995, so, you know, we're dating it. And, uh, but I remember listening, and I remember this story came to my mind. And, and uh, the story is about a, a former Marine who is going into kind of an inner city, an urban, notorious inner city school as a, as a teacher, and uh, society has sort of kind of given up on these students, high school students. And kind of maybe more sad or more alarming is that the kids or the students kind of gave up on themselves. They, they kind of had no hope. They were far from where they wanted to go. They kind of had just given up. They couldn't see the future from their eyes. It looked very bleak. The culture around them didn't have a lot of hope. And they were kind of feeling hopeless. Why even try? Why? What's the point of education? We, it's not going to do anything for us anyways. We're just trying to get through this situation. And so this is the kind of environment that this teacher comes in. And as you can imagine, the first couple days and week were horrible. Like it was just horrible. There was no order. There was no teaching going on. It was just sort of managing chaos. And so this teacher had this kind of had to rethink her approach to teaching these students. And kind of the nucleus or the, the, the kind of the, the thesis of this whole thing is that she decided to have mercy on them and give them something they don't deserve. 
She came into class one day and she said, from now on, every student in this class is going to have an A. I'm giving an A to everybody, which caught them all off guard because I don't think anybody in that class even had an A in their life or even dreamed of having an A on their transcript. But here she is, this teacher, looking at them and giving them, having mercy on them and giving them something they don't deserve. And she gave them all an A. And so their job now in this moment was not to earn an A, but to protect the A. It wasn't there to, they didn't have to earn it, it was already given to them. But they had to protect it. They had to sustain it. They had to hold on to the A and finish the class with an A after all the work and effort that they had to put in. And it was her job now not to get them to be an A, but to help them keep their A, help to help them sustain their A. And as I got thinking about this story and as I got thinking about this situation, I honestly felt God was reminding me today that you and I cannot earn a pure heart. There's nothing that we can do that is going to make us good enough. And so when you read this type of passage, it says, blessed are the pure in heart, and you take a look at yourself and you realize how impure you really are, right to the core, right to the wick. And some of this, may, you just may feel like, well, what's the point then? I'm never going to see God. I'm never going to know God. I'm never going to know the heart of God. God's never going to hear my prayers. I'm never going to hear his voice because I'm not pure. I know the wickedness within me. I know the sin within me. I know the destruction and the ugliness within me. And no matter how hard I try, I always fall short. And it can be hopeless. But I, I felt as I was studying this word, this, the word, the word this week, that God was trying to say, listen, listen. You're right. You can't earn it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have mercy on you. I'm going to give you a new heart. He says, I'm going to give you a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in spirit. Blessed are the pure in heart. He's talking about present tense. He's, he's talking about he wants to give you a new heart. This is the process of salvation. When you and I come into a relationship with Jesus, he gives us a new heart. We don't have to clean it ourselves. We don't have to earn it. We were hopeless. But he, and he knows that. And so God, when we come to God, when we turn to God, even when we turn back to God, he gives us a new heart. We see this in Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel, Israel has done evil in the eyes of the Lord more times than anybody can count. You know, they've gone on this pattern of doing good in the eyes of God, doing evil in the eyes of God, moving towards God, moving away from God. You know, being blessed by God, being captive by another conquering, another conquering nation. Like they've gone through this, this cycle of life over generations and generations. And at this point, Ezekiel is sort of the prophet. He's representing God and he's speaking on behalf of God. And they're in this kind of coming back to God stage. And, Jesus, and God says them through Ezekiel, says, I will give you what? A new heart and a new spirit within you. And I will remove from you your old heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. There is nothing in here that Israel did to deserve that. There's nothing that they even did. This is God speaking. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take away your heart of stone, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And you say, well, that's Old Testament. No, that's no, not old, just Old Testament. We see in Paul. Paul talks about the church in 2 Corinthians, and what does he say? He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've received Christ into your life, if you committed to following his words and his ways, you are what? A new creation, right? The old is gone, and the new is here. You are a new creation. You've been given a new heart. You've been given a pure heart. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? Come on, I don't have to earn this. I can't earn this. I know the ugliness within me. I know the pressures of this world. 
I know how easy it is to slip off and to fall into the ditches of this life. And I thank you, God, that I don't have to earn it, but you give me a pure heart. He gives us a new heart as new creations. I tell you what, listen, when you're a follower of Jesus, you're either all forgiven or you're not forgiven. Listen, you're, there's no half forgiven when you're, coming to, when you're following Jesus. When you accept Jesus as your heart and you say, God, forgive me, he does, doesn't forgive the parts that he wants to forgive. He forgives everything. He, he forgives you all. He forgives all things in, in all times, in the present and in the future. He knows exactly who you are and what you're going to do. You are forgiven. That is the grace of God that we cannot fully understand. So listen, you have got a new heart. You just got to own it. You got to just receive it and own it and live in it. We can't earn our purity, but purity rather is this process of pursuing Jesus, right? The more we pursue Jesus, the more we go after Jesus, the more we open God's word, the more we allow him to speak, the more we become pure. It's this process of going towards Jesus, allowing Jesus to fill us anew each and every day to, to sustain this new heart. And so while we cannot earn our forgiveness, God gives us his forgiveness. He gives us a, a pure heart. And so while this pure heart is for you, it's also to show and reveal who Jesus is. We see this in Philippians. This is Paul speaking to the church in Philippi. And he's saying, listen, for God is working in you, giving you the what? The desire and the power to do what pleases him. Listen, God is working in you, right? You have God's strength in you right now, helping you, giving you desires that are pleasing and also giving you the power to make right decisions. Can how many people know when you come to those moments, especially when you're by yourself, you need the power of God to make a right decision. Anybody, can I get an amen? Anybody? Right? You need the power of God to give you the desire to make the right decision, even when no one is watching, right? It's easy to make a good decision when everyone's watching and can see how holy and spiritual you are, right? But when no one's around and nobody will know, you need God's power, you need God's help to give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Then he goes on to say, why? Why is this so important? He says, live you need to live clean and innocent lives. Another translation says clean and, 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 and blameless, pure and blameless lives as children of God. Why? Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and preserve, preserve, uh, preserve, perverse people. Listen, in a world full of darkness, you need to shine like stars. And you go out at nighttime and you see that in the darkness of our community in the darkness over the lake. You can look out and see the shine, the stars shining in the darkness. And that's who we are called to be as children of God with pure hearts. We're called to shine bright. We're not try, called to blend in to the impurity of our culture. We're not, try, we're not called to blend in to the perverseness and the crookedness of our friends at school or our coworkers or our boss. No, we're called to do what's right. We're called to live pure and blameless lives. Paul tells Timothy, in 2 Timothy 2, he says, flee, right? Flee from the evil desires. Run away. Run away, he says in another translation, from anything that stimulates your youthful lusts, right? Anything that stimulates your desire for more. Anything that stimulates the things that are not pleasing of God. And pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along with all those who call upon the name of the Lord, call on the Lord out with a pure heart. Listen. You can't do this on your own, he's saying. Listen, you want to live a life that's pursuing righteousness, truth, love, and joy, and peace. You need to surround yourself with other people who are on the same pursuit. 
You need to surround yourself with other people who've got a pure heart, who've been, who've been called by God. That's why it's important to come to church, people. Just joking. Not joking, but kind of joking. Not joking. Listen, we can't do this on our own. We're, we're really good at convincing ourselves that we can, right? We're really good at convincing ourselves that, hey, we, we can do it. You know, I got teaching. I can listen to Andy Stanley on, online. I can open God's Word. I can, I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody else. Yes, you do. If you are going to be bluntly honest with yourself, you know you need somebody there to encourage you along the way. We can all fool ourselves for a season, but at the end of the day, when we stare ourselves in the mirror, we look at ourselves, we know we need help in that area. We all know it. And so Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, don't just do this on your own. You've got to do this with other people. Surround yourself. Now listen, we kind of read this idea of purity, and we think he's just talking about sexual desire, sexual lusts, right? He's talking about the lust of the flesh, or the, the lust of those youthful desires, which is, which is true, right? We've got to keep our mind pure in a sexually driven world. But that's not all that he's talking about when it comes about purity, he goes on to say, don't have anything to do with what? Foolish or stupid arguments. I'm just going to sit there for a moment. So he's talking about purity, right? And we always reference purity to sexual sins or sexual mis mis misappropriation. But uh, Paul's going beyond that. Listen, that's just that's surface. We're going right to the heart. What motivates your heart? What, what feeds your heart? What you're really inside? Don't, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because they produce what? Quarrels. And we know that, don't we? Stupid and foolish arguments on social media do not solve any problem. I've actually never met one, read one comment that said after an argument, someone say, oh, you're right. Thanks so much for correcting me. It's like when a, when a player argues with the umpire in a baseball game, you know, the strike zone. I've never turned an umpire and go, oh, you're right. Oh, sorry, let me fix that for you. Let me correct that for you. It doesn't happen. So why bother, right? If you had a problem, do what the, Matthew tells us to. Go have a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody, Talk eyeball to eyeball. It's amazing how far that goes. Anyway, I digress. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be what? Kind to those they like. Kind to those who are kind to them. Kind to those who are generous towards them. Kind to everybody. Like, you want to protect a pure heart. This is what Paul's talking about. Like, being kind to all people. Being kind to everybody. Not getting involved in foolish arguments. Not, not getting involved in quarrelsome talk. But being kind. Pursuing righteousness and surrounding people around you are going to help you along the way. So if we're a new creation and we've already been given a new heart, the question isn't how do we earn it, right? But the question then we're asked today is how do we protect it? How do we sustain it? How do we keep going and protecting this pure heart that God has given us all the way to the end of class, all the way to the end of the semester when we stand before God? We talked about this last week. And we stand before God at the judge, final judgment seat and we can say, listen, I've protected the heart that you've given me. I've protected the purity that you've given me. I've done everything I can to sustain the A, to maintain the A, to protect the A. Are you with me? So three thoughts I want to give to you today. Hopefully they'll help you along your way as you protect the new heart that God has given you. The first thing is we need to protect it intentionally. Listen, this does not happen by accident. 
This does not happen without you putting in, in place disciplines. Again, I've told you this before, but discipline will take you where desire can't. All right? Disciplines in your life will take you where desire alone can't. You need to put in disciplines. Proverbs 4, 23, in the New Living Translation, it says, guard your heart, what? Above all else. Like, above, all, above everything. You protect so many things in your life. You lock your doors. You get insurances. You do everything you can to protect your stuff that you buy, the stuff that you invest into. But above all of those other things, God is saying, you need to guard your heart above everything that you protect. Some of us don't give any thought to our heart. We're, a lot, we're worried about other things, protecting other things. Protect your heart, guard your heart above all for what? It determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Sustaining so a pure heart, heart does not happen accidentally. It takes ferocious intentionality. It takes ferocious intentionality. You have got to fight for it. I was visioning a mother with baby cubs, you know, like how they ferociously protect their cubs. That's the kind of attitude we need to have towards our heart. We need to ferociously protect our heart, our, our thoughts, and we need to be determined. Listen, it's choosing what you want most over what you want now. How do you protect it intentionally? You choose what you want most over what you want now. Listen, I'm not going to just succumb to the emotions of this moment. I know who I want to be. I know the kind of a husband I want to be. I know the type of father, pastor, leader, friend. I know who I want to be. So I'm not going to succumb to the emotions in the moment, right? But I'm going to protect that intentionally and ferociously. It's determining ahead of time who you want to be and who you want to be known to be. Do you want to be known as faithful, as loyal, as true, as righteous? Or do you want to be known as Easy come, easy go. His word isn't worth anything. She's not reliable. She just gossips all the time. She gets in stinking arguments, stupid arguments all the time. Like, what do you want to be known for? And you've got to protect that ferociously, protect that with in intentionally. Philippians 4 says, what does it do? It says, fix your thoughts, right? Fix your thoughts on what is true on what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think of the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is the filter in which we need to filter our thoughts and filter our minds and protect ourselves. It's the gateway to our heart. It's the gateway to our mind. Many of us start, I was thinking this week with the tight filter, you know, like we have a tight filter when we come into faith, when we, when we come into Christ, we realize all the things in our life, so we, we create this tight filter, fixing our thoughts on God, only what is true and noble and pure and right and just. And then all of a sudden over time, the, the filter gets just a little bit bigger <laughs> and the holes get a little bit wider and sometimes we get a hole in our net and all of a sudden, before we know it, we're allowing things into our life, into our heart, that we would have never have before. So maybe it's time that we reevaluate and rebuild our defenses. Maybe you've allowed the fences to be lackadaisy too long. Maybe you've given yourself too much permission to indulge in certain things and to go certain places and to hang out with certain people. And you're not, protecting, you're not protecting your heart ferociously or intentionally. You need to know your weakness and then bring, and shore up and bring up your reserves. I remember a, a friend of mine who was actually a teacher at the Bible College, and he asked me, he says, what does it mean to be a man of God, Adam? What does it mean to be a man of God? And, you know, I just thought it's like you're, you're just strong enough you don't fall. Like you're, you're strong enough to not, 
you know, succumbed to your weaknesses. You've kind of conquered them, you know. That's what I was thinking it was going to be. And he says, no, no, no. Being a man of God is not being able to succumb all things. It's knowing where your weaknesses are and not even putting yourselves in those environments. Like being a man of God is just knowing your weakness, knowing where there's a hole in your fence, knowing where if, if the enemy attacks, they are going to get through there. And so you do everything you can to shore that up. You don't put yourself in the environments where you know you're going to get attacked. And so protect it intentionally. Second thing we need to do is we need to repent quickly. We need to repent quickly. We know we're all going to fall short, right? We all know we're going to mess up. We know we're going to have those moments where we slip into the ditch. But we need to repent quickly. David was, after, was known after a man, after God's own heart. This King David, which we all know, if you know the story of David, he had an affair. He sent the, the, the husband of the girl that he had an affair with to the front lines of the battle to die. So, he, you know, to try to cover up his sin. To try to cover, like, he was not a perfect man. He did a lot of stupid things. But his scripture tells us that he's a man after God's own heart. How and why? Because he was quick to repent. When it was identified where he fell short, when, he's, when, he, when, he, when his sin became aware, when he was aware of his own folly, he repented quickly. We see a portion of this in Psalm 51, verse 10. He says, Created me what? A pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me what? A willing spirit, the desire, right? The desire to sustain me. Listen, he understood in this moment that a pure heart, if you wanted to see God and know God and hear God, he had to live with a pure heart. He had to live with a pure heart. He couldn't live in sin and in shame. Repentance is the, is the guardrail of keeping our heart pure. Listen, we all know when you drive down a road, there's these guardrails. And, and, you know, sometimes we get into the margin a little bit. We get into the shoulder. And once in a while, we, we rub up against that guardrail. And if we repent... You know, if we take the, the heat of the awareness, we can repent and we can get back onto the road and we can keep on moving and keep on trucking, receiving the grace of God. Too many times, though, what we do is we just blow right through it. We just blow right through it. And not only do we, do we hurt others around us, we hurt ourselves. So God, like, listen, repentance is this guardrails that keep us moving. We're going to hit them. We're going to fall short. We're going to need it. But this is where God's grace, his mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Jesus that we can move towards the Him. 2 Corinthians, Paul saying in 4.16, in he says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, but yet inwardly what? We are being renewed day by day. There is this process of being sanctified. There is this process of being made pure as we continue to repent, as we continue to submit to the process of being renewed day by day. Repentance is like pulling the weeds out of our garden, Right? Before they become anything too crazy, before they get out of control, we see that little weed pop up, we pull out that weed. We take it out by the root. Quickly and consistently, we just pull out those roots, we pull out those weeds to keep our garden bed pure, our garden bed perfect. It's the same thing with our heart. I've heard it said that you sow a thought and you reap an action, right? When you sow that thought, you reap an action. When you sow that action, you reap a habit. And when you begin to sow that habit, you reap a lifestyle. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is what kind of life do you want to have? What kind of lifestyle do you want to live? What do you want to be known for? What thoughts are you sowing? What habits are you sowing? What actions are you sowing? Do we want to be known as people who repent quickly? Repent quickly. Ask for forgiveness. And I'm not just talking about repenting to God, though we have to do that, but repenting to your friends, repenting to your spouses, repenting to your boss, repenting to your children, repent to your coworkers. Hey, I wronged you. 
I, I hurt you. That thing I said, I, I, that, was, that was wrong. I should not have said that. And I apologize. Like, be quick to repent. You know, there's no shortage of I'm sorry. It's not like you only get five of them a week. Thank you, Jesus, for we get more than five a week. You know, but some of you are holding on to it. It's like you only get three for your lifetime. I got three sores for my whole life. I got to use them sparingly, you know? Like you can just throw that stuff out. It just replenishes, you know? You can say it as, many as, you want, as much as you want. Repent quickly. Don't harbor anger. Like don't create offense. Like just repent. Say, I'm sorry. Don't justify it. Don't try to wash it away. Don't try to minimize the hurt. I'm sorry. I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to do better. And repent quickly. Last thing, really quick, is we need to forgive freely. We need to protect intentionally. We need to protect, uh, qu- repent quickly. And we need to forgive freely. Psalm t- Proverbs 20, tw- uh, 4, 23, we read it already in the New Living Translation, but the, the English Standard Version says, keep your heart with all vig- vigilance, for, it flow- for from it flows what? The springs of life. The springs of life. This is where all your life of your heart comes. When, and when we don't forgive, uh, when, we, when we meditate on uh, this unforgiveness, when we ruminate on this forgiveness, what does it do? It begins to spoil the springs of our life. All of a sudden, the water that was fresh and, and life-giving becomes tainted and spoiled and even poisoned. Listen, when you are rehearsing, when you're rehearsing what you're going to do to that person, and how you're going to repay back what they did to you, you're coming out of the blessing. I know it's hard. Following Jesus is not, for the, is not easy. But we need to forgive. I'm so thankful that when I say, God, can you forgive me? It's like, yep, I forgive you. If it were that easy with us. Hey, I'm sorry, I, for, I, I hurt you. You know what? I'm going to choose to forgive you. Because I'm not holding on to it. I'm not, I'm not going to allow this unforgiveness or that hurt to spoil the springs of my life. I want to protect the A. I want to protect the pure heart. When unforgiveness lingers, I believe this, you begin to move outside the blessing of God. Right? We talked about that last week. You can follow up more of that last week. But Ephesians, this is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus in 4.22. He says, listen, you were taught with regard to the former way of life. So listen, you know better. He's saying, listen, you know better. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to put on the new attitude of your minds, and, and to put on the new self, created to be like Christ in true righteousness and holiness. Listen, as you are now growing in relationship, if you've been given this new heart, you're not acting like the guy with the old heart anymore. Stop it. He's kind of taking them to school a little bit on this. He's kind of being a parent. He's saying, listen, you know better. You're, you're, not an old, you're not the old creation anymore. You don't have the old thinking. You don't have the old way of doing it. God has made you a new person. He has deposited you a new heart. Act like it. Protect it. Sustain it. Don't give it away so quickly. Don't, cheap, don't treat it as cheap and common and ordinary. You're not that person anymore. He goes on in verse 31, it says, So get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage and anger and brawling and slander along from any form of malice. And what's malice? We don't use that word. And malice is an intention or evil desire or evil to do desire. Like, get rid of all the intentions to do evil. Get all the desire to do evil. Get rid of all of that. But be kind and compassionate. There is again, 
tenderhearted to what? To one another, to everyone. Forgiving each other just as Christ God has forgiven you. You and I have been given something that we don't deserve. And we have to choose are we going to follow in step with that and help and allow the overflow of God's forgiveness to come into our life but also overflow into our life? Are we going to hold it? Are we going to cap it? Are we going to trade in the new heart back for the old heart again? Matthew 5, when we go back to the beginning of our verse, it says, Matthew says, Blessed are the pure heart for what? For they will see God. Listen, if you want to see God in your marriage, if you want to see God in your home, if you want to see God in your relationships, if you want to see God in your workplace, you need to develop a pure heart. You need to protect that pure heart. And how do we do that? Just really quickly, we protect it intentionally. We repent quickly. And we forgive freely. We protect it intentionally. We repent quickly. And we forgive freely. Here's the good news. The good news is that you don't have to do it alone. You've been filled with the presence of God and you are surrounded by the people of God. You've been filled with the presence of God and you're surrounded with the people of God who are going to help you along the way if you will allow it and if you will welcome it. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And this is just an opportunity to evaluate our heart, condition of our heart. This is not anybody else's job. This is your job with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to say, God, have I been protecting the pure heart that you've given me? Or have I maybe let the guard down a little bit? And if I let the guard down a little bit, Father, just tell me where. Tell me where I need to start mending some fences. Tell me where I need to start showing up to more protection. Tell me where I need to develop a, dis a discipline. Tell me where I need to repent. Tell me where I need to forgive in order to protect this pure heart. Father, we just state our need for you today. Father, we thank you for the gift of a pure heart. We thank you, Lord, that all those who call on you, we can be saved. We can receive this pure heart. This is not reserved for a select few or for those who have earned it. God, none of us have earned it. But it's simply a gift by grace. And so if you're in this room here today and you've never received the new heart from God, I'm here to tell you today that you can receive that even right now. Even in, the, even in this moment, if you just acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Romans tells us that you can be saved, you can be made a new creation, even right now, there can be a transformation power at work in your own life. And it may not look like much, it may not feel like much in this moment, but I guarantee you today that it is the best decision you'll ever make. And then with God's help, he will set you on a road to live a life that he designed for you from the very beginning of creation. And so right now, if you're in this place, all you need to say is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I invite you into my heart. Lord, I desire you to come and make me a new creation. Forgive me my sin. And for doing, living my life my own way, I invite you to come into my life and make me new. And for as much as I know now, I commit the following after you as Lord of my life. You can pray that prayer and you can receive the new heart today by faith. Maybe you're here today and you've already accepted Christ and you've been loving, living for Christ, but you just recognize that you're, you have not been protecting the purity of, his, of your heart that he's given you. And so right now, God, I just pray you would just speak to all of us very, very personally, very specifically, 
and that you would just point your finger and that not only that we would just be aware of it, God, that you'd give us the courage to take the steps needed. If we need to make a phone call, if we need to go over coffee, if we need to repent and forgive, if we need to cancel Netflix, if we have to do whatever, whatever we have to do, whatever steps we need to do to ferociously protect the pure heart, God, I pray you would give us the courage to do that. And so, God, we state our need for you as we sing this song. This is, may this be our prayer. May this be our prayer and our benediction that, Lord, we need you every hour. We need you to help us sustain and live this out so we can see you and know you and hear you and walk with you and make you known in this world, shining bright like stars in this community. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.